The Block Talk podcast started because of my passion for the property management industry. I wanted to start a conversation and add some value within the industry with a diverse range of people and professionals who can add something extra. As we start out, my aim is that the podcast offers some useful insight into a variety of views, opinions, thoughts, and foresights from our guests who include business leaders and industry experts. If you enjoy the podcast and want to find out any other information, head on over to brianwelsh.co.uk. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Block Talk podcast with me, Brian Welsh, and Jax Bruce. Jax, how are you today? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, getting ready. It's kind of the end of the day as we're recording this, so um, heading along to the gym tonight to do some Olympic lifting. So always look forward to that uh, part of the week. How are you doing? Um, uh, yeah, I'm great, but I'll certainly not be doing any Olympic lifting. <laughs> I will be more likely to be um, walking a dog at six or something like that. Okay, good. Well, today we are delighted to be joined by Chris Ashurst, founder of the High Rise Scotland Action Group. The group was formed in June 2020 to offer a forum for owners associations, owners and residents of high rise developments in Scotland to facilitate communication with government and other relevant bodies. Chris actually retired in 2007 following 20 years with Mazars, where he was head of London Corporate Recovery and Insolvency Services. Chris, absolutely fabulous to have you on. Thanks very much for, for accepting the invite. How are you doing today? Brian, well, thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, great. Thank you. Uh, we'll have a rain check on that, shall we, at the end of the interview and see whether you still think it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. Okay. Can, can you start, I guess, by updating us on the latest news around cladding and what your thoughts are on these developments? Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess uh, most, most people will know. Uh, some owners seem not to know, but the Scottish Government introduced um, a scheme called the... the um, single building assessment scheme uh, and it was announced kind of last year march last year and it's uh, a, a plan whereby buildings which could conceivably have a risk or do have a risk of fire through cladding uh, or other problems in their external wall systems can be professionally assessed to understand what the problems might be what it might cost to put them right and uh, the route out of those sort of issues. Now, there's an awful lot of buildings in Scotland um, mm -hmm. which could fall into that category. Uh, we're particularly looking now at buildings over 11 metres in height. Uh -huh. So there's a heck of a lot of them. Yeah. And uh, in England, they put together a scheme, uh, the, the banks and building societies, lenders, RICS, to try and give assurance to lenders that actually buildings were flats were safe to live in now the whole system in england of course is so completely different the way the tenure system the whole thing is different so that scheme didn't really work too well here and actually was drafted without taking into account the the scottish situation the scottish law position yeah. so um here in scotland the, the scottish government picked it up uh, with the idea of trying to resolve it, we became involved along with all 
the banks, the building societies, the surveyors, the lawyers, everyone. Um, and uh, our aim was to try and help find a solution that worked and also um, make sure that solutions that were being talked about actually made sense in uh-huh. in to the owners because there are a lot of professionals talking about the issues but no one was hearing the voice of the owners because some of the things that actually had come up before if an owner had been involved you might have said actually that isn't going to work so yeah. we've now got to the situation where uh to try and get the scheme going and using the 97 million plus that came down to the scottish government by um consequential uh uh, funding from Westminster that is being utilized to assess the scale of the problem in Scotland and in particular they've selected 25 blocks of flats uh, for what is called a pilot scheme that is underway at present that pilot scheme is yes to assess the safety of those buildings and that will that assessment will stretch beyond just external wall systems. It will cover other fire risks as well. Uh-huh. Um, but it, that is underway. Uh, but so the buildings get some comfort, all paid for out of the 97 plus million, which the Scottish government have had. So that is underway for the benefit of the building. So it's actually underway for the benefit of everyone across Scotland because no one's quite done this before. Uh-huh. And um, as, as one of your, one of the members of the, uh, in the factoring group had, had said, or amongst the factors that actually you can look at paper records, but actually some of the paper records are rubbish and some of them just don't exist. Uh, some of the paper records say that buildings are safe, and actually, when, as one of one of the guys uh, from the factors said, when they put boots on the ground and actually look at it, they aren't. You know, things yeah. like f- missing fire breaks. So, this will in the pro in the buildings that are underway, it will identify problems, but it will also identify identify problems in how this can be assessed because. Um, I know that the Scottish government, the Welsh government, uh, and I think representatives from Northern Ireland and and, um, England too were involved in this, but mainly Wales and Scotland, that no one's quite done this before. It isn't an EWS. It isn't just a home report. It's far more extensive than that. And we're trying to get to a position where people know they're safe or know what has got to be done to make them safe. So. Um, as I think it was the representative from the Welsh government said in, in a in a meeting a few few weeks ago, I wasn't at it, but it was reported to me. Oh. Yeah, what we're what we're doing is bloody difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that is now underway. So some of those reports are um, one or two have been re- prepared. Uh, the thing is, of course, twenty five properties or 25 developments across Scotland isn't that higher percentage uh-huh. and the, the idea is to roll it out to everyone now that's finding out what the problem is and trying to identify not only the cost for those particular buildings and the the 
problems identified in those buildings, but what that might look at like across Scotland for everyone else. Yeah. So once you find that out, the next question is, how are we going to put it right? Yeah. Well, there are several answers to that, but the, one of the big things is who's going to pay for it? Yeah. <laughs> that is uppermost in people's minds. Owners are understandably saying, we're the only innocent people in this. Yeah. Um, you know, there are others. Um, you know, I mean, I think even Mr. Gove in his um, evidence at Westminster before his committee down there said, you know, in, in government, they've got it wrong. But, you know, everyone's got it wrong. The architects have got it wrong. The builders have got it wrong. The managers have got it right. Just about everyone who's touched it in one way or another has had some some involvement in it. But the only people who haven't been responsible for making a mess of it are the people who've spent their money in buying properties. Yeah. So yeah. the consensus is, and certainly I think across political parties in Scotland, that owners shouldn't pay. And certainly that was the line that Mr. Gove took. Uh -huh. Now the problem has been that in England they've been through a bit of a roller coaster ride uh, with the arrival of Mr. Gove uh, in his office. Uh, in the autumn of last year, I think it was, was a real sea change. And um, he's really kind of got stuck in. Yeah. But uh, the solution that was announced in Westminster, whereby the builders and those in the construction industry were going to contribute voluntarily in the sense, it was voluntary in the sense that they were told if they didn't, there would be a tax making them co contribute. Yeah. So it's like, yes, it's voluntary, but... It's a form of voluntary, I guess. Yeah, yeah it's sort of voluntary. So yeah, I'll the back voluntary, maybe. But. That, that, something like that. Yeah. And, of course, the English government, and I, I'll deliberately use that phrase because I'm talking about the law in England, uh, have powers that we don't have in Scotland. Mm. Or what? So this isn't a part of political point. It's just that the Scottish Parliament, however it constitutes, doesn't have some of those um, bullets to put in their gun, as it were. Yeah. But so national developers, in the sense of national UK developers, many of them have signed up voluntarily to this scheme, um, and it was thought until uh, I think it was just about two weeks ago that that sign-up whereby they would agree to pay the costs on remediation and, and getting things sorted would apply UK-wide. Thus, some funds would come to Scotland or the builders would in, in Scotland would, would do the same in Scotland. Now, uh, I think the day before it was actually published, it might have been two days before, uh, it then transpired that he was saying, no, no, that's just the agreement will just apply to buildings in England. Wow. Um, which was, uh, and the Scottish government didn't, didn't know that until the day before either. And I guess the Welsh government as well. So that was a bit of a technical phrase. That was a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Um, and had there been a tax raised, in other words, had it not been voluntary, and had it been a tax on the on the um, building companies, then money should have flowed to Scotland by way of consequentials, uh, yeah. which would enable the Scottish government to use money to to pay for 
um, work that might need to be done. Now, that is really still up in the air. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, even within the last week and a half, I've heard of some of the builders who have signed the letter <clears throat> approaching property owners and I think local authorities in Scotland uh, where they seem to think the letter they signed does apply to Scotland, which is quite funny, really, um, and kind of working on that basis. Now, that might change. Someone might point it out to them that it might not be the same case. So there is a state of flux there. Yep. And that leaves uncertainty, uh, which the Scottish government is certainly trying to resolve. They're in talks, trying to have talks uh, with um, the, the levelling up team in London. And I think the Welsh government are, are in, in on that as well. So there are state of flux there. Then last, again, just, just before Easter, there were the new... Um, building standards uh, amendment regulations went out um, but that's very fresh I mean it, it essentially reinforces the ban on combustible cladding uh, in Scotland uh, probably a bit fiercer than than it was um, it, it kind of rules out some of the quirks where you could maybe get around it by having tests done and so on but now um, that is essentially ruled out although the actual technical um, manuals and, and so on aren't yet published on that so we are in a state of flux there's still uncertainty it's um, and there's still not a lot of money yeah wow okay that, that that's a brilliant kind of synopsis of where we are thanks for that I, I mean some of that I didn't I didn't I wasn't even aware of I, I think I I'd read something about that tax kind of um, situation part. So there certainly does seem to be um, lots of things still to iron out. So <clears throat> the situation is obviously um, very stressful for people living in the affected buildings, especially with lockdowns and everything like that as well. How is this being handled and is there any support for um, out there for people? Yeah, I mean, I think that is difficult. I think as... Uh, as a group ourselves, we haven't focused particularly on the mental health issues that we are aware of, and we are aware of them. We brought them to the attention of government. And indeed, when I gave evidence at Holyrood a couple of years ago, I actually provide statistics to them um, to, to show how serious this was. Our focus has really been upstream yeah. Um, in a sense of cutting off the, the root of the problem yeah. uh, in trying to resolve how do we deal with this, we being everyone involved in the process in Scotland, contractors, government, local authorities, insurers, banks, owners, uh, managers, and so on. So that's where our main focus has been. Interestingly, I mean, I, I'm aware of, people who are sleeping with their bags packed by their front door to get out in case there should be a, a fire yeah. um, and there are serious mental health issues in here which uh, are beyond my um kind of uh, in a sense my remit it isn't that i don't care i care deeply but 
Yeah. Um, that's slightly beyond our brief, but I think there are some you know, good assists in in the system. But I, I actually felt challenged when I saw that question. Think I think I need to find out more about this. I think perhaps we can put a bit more information out there. Yeah. But it's interesting that Kevin Stewart, who was the housing minister, who really drove through the single building assessment and got us to where we are, um, in my view, unfortunately, got promoted or appointed to another post. Um, but where he is now, um, yeah, dealing with mental health issues, yeah. uh, and I think dealing with them very well. And I actually thought, I think I might just get in touch with him and see if he's got some uh, pointers on that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I mean it's a big it's a big issue. Uh, to, to be fair, though, I suppose on the other side of it, um, it's also a difficult situation for property facts and property managers to navigate. Um, and, and and there was a, a recent result in the IRPM's health and well-being survey um, saying it's having an adverse effect on people in that industry too. Um, so I, I'm just wondering what you think of of kind of the property factoring industry what they could be doing to help manage the situation better for everyone involved i think the property managers i have a lot of sympathy for yep. not all the time but um and it's interesting being involved with developments across scotland and even if we're not really talking about cladding one of the things that owners just always well, not always, 90% of the time, maybe slightly more, they always have a moan about factors. And mm. I think it's a kind of factor of life. Um, that wasn't meant to be a pun, but it is, yeah. is, that's the way it is, because owners don't always take the welfare of their own buildings mm -hmm. as seriously as they should, which doesn't help factors at all. Yeah, um, And it, it is true that some factors... I think a minority aren't brilliant at communicating uh -huh. with their owners. Now, the factors are really caught between the devil and the deep blue sea because yeah. the owners uh, often have the mindset, we're in this building, we're paying you maintenance fees and so on and so forth. It's your problem to sort out. Well, actually, in law, it ain't. Yeah. It just isn't. Um, that isn't to say that they shouldn't be involved and they have to be involved. They must be involved. But some things are simply beyond their powers. Yeah. Um, and that is a difficult one for them to explain to the owners. And I think some of them haven't attempted to do it terribly well. Mm -hmm. I think some have attempted to do it very well. But because people are in, the, in their own stressful situations, they simply don't listen. Or don't read uh, what they're sent. So a factor is really caught. Uh, and one of the issues that we've been talking about, I, I sit on the government cladding stakeholder group, which includes um, managers. Um, but one of the difficulties is that within this single building assessment, instructions have to be given to people to undertake the work and yeah, so on and so forth. Actually, some factors are really worried. Actually, should should we be doing that? Or perhaps should isn't the right word. Can we be doing that? Because actually, would our professional indemnity cover cover 
that sort of input into this process mm -hmm. and that's quite a big issue and professional indemnity cover is a big issue across the board on the on the cladding issues whether it's for surveyors or or others involved but it is an issue too for um property managers so i think one of the things is i think if i can um kind of talk be a, a, a good uncle and talk to <laughs> uh, factors say look i think you've got to face this head on um and realize what you can and can't do but yeah. somehow you've got to communicate what you can and can't do in a in a way that is received by owners yeah because uh i mean i had to ring the doctor the other day for something and and you go through all this before you actually get to speak to the reception or you go through all this you know we're in, we're experiencing an increased um, level of you know um hatred and you know stuff directed at our telephone operators and so on and so forth and i think to some extent that is probably true too in the factoring industry that because people are concerned they can't sell their flats they can't move some people can't you know they want to start a family and they've got a kind of two bedroom flat they need a three bedroom flat they've got a one bedroom flat they need or they just need to move out and they can't sell all of that so they're bringing all of that frustration to the phone call to or letter to a factor yeah and somehow in dealing with that the fact has got to somehow not overcome that and, and and belittle their situation but bring an answer that they can hear i don't just mean through their earpiece on their phone or yeah whatever, but they can they can actually take on board oh, i see okay now that's going to be a huge ask and actually in a sense that adds to the issue but uh -huh. i think if there's a good explanation and what we've tried to do with some things is put things into faqs or to yeah. some sort of sheet so people when they get in touch first they may be cross they may people always think that the fees that they're paying to the factors are going straight into the factors bank account which it is but straight into the factor's pocket, not taking account of the fact that actually that what they're paying for is their electricity, for their lifts, their lighting in their common areas, the you know, maintenance of the building. Actually, that's where the bulk of the money is going. It's not going into the factor's own kind of um, private back pocket. But yeah. people don't understand that. And even in our own product, I have these conversations with people in our stair. They say, but they're getting all this money. Yeah, but... <coughs> <coughs> excuse me but they're not getting all this money that's not for them they're paying that out because you want your common areas cleaned you want your you know maintenance done it, it isn't uh, just going to them that they spend as they they, they they like so if you can leave something or have something either available on the web in a, uh, an FAQ, I know some factors brilliantly have done little FAQs or bigger FAQs, documents that people can then pick up and read later, maybe when they've dialed down a bit and aren't so kind of quite excited about it and they can read it that uh, and come back on them. There's got to be some way of communicating. Yeah. And if they've communicated, um, that makes them look good. 
yeah that makes them look good what i do take issue with and i've had some people who are in buildings who are actually in the pilot scheme uh, and you might say well that's a plus that's great but actually they didn't know they were in the pilot scheme or they oh. say they didn't know they were in the pilot scheme right. uh, which may not be the same thing yeah. um, or they are in the pilot scheme and they just simply can't get any information about what's going on now this is a a long saga and you can't give a minute by minute blow by blow you know this is what's happening today a man's coming to the third floor on block seven to do this you you can't do that yeah and give an overview actually this is where we're at in the process so um I got slightly criticised by someone here who doesn't like kind of snake charts and things, but we did a little uh, uh, like a snakes and ladders thing of this is the process and this is where we are in it. Uh -huh. As we move through the process in our own development, um, we actually said, well, that's where we were last time we reported. This is where we are now. Same chart, but this is where we are now. So people could see that in the broad scheme of things, things are moving. Um, and yeah. It's just really important to keep people in 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 the loop. Yeah, and of course they're always difficult um, owners, and uh, what frustrates frustrates me beyond belief is that you tell people things in the clearest of English, and you write to them, and they say, "You don't tell us anything." So, well, you didn't, you haven't read what we sent you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that is a frustration. Yeah, I can I can imagine. I think <clears throat> yeah, there's a few things in, in there actually. So a lot of a lot of things that have been said on on this podcast by people who are in the industry, they've talked about educating, educating, educating owners about how these sort of things work, and and, and it's been said many many times. And and you know, uh, and the other thing, you know, a couple of things to pick up on what you said was that, and a lot of them. Um, have said, you know, it's absolutely unacceptable to be kind of abusive to to um, towards a you know someone who's who's on the end of the phone trying to fix your property. I think you know somebody said it's now illegal to do it in retail or something like that. It might be I don't know if that's technically correct, but you know there's there's things in legislation being talked about yeah. that you can't be abusive to people in a retail shop. So why should it be acceptable to do it to anyone else? I mean, it should be absolutely outlawed. And you know, you're right. People do get frustrated and rightly so you know i mean here's their biggest asset that they're going to buy in their entire life and suddenly there's something wrong with it but you know the property manager is not the person to take take it out on and um and yeah so so it's it's an education kind of process yeah. but and, and and you know to me from a, i mean communication is 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 something that we we take very very seriously in fact the software the, the obviously the other thing I do is 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 run a software business that supplies property factors, and you know, and 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 all the time we're looking at ways in which to allow our customers to communicate with their customers, i.e., you guys, homeowners, in a better way. So you know, actually communicating and sending communication that is maybe not absorbed in the right way or they don't hear in the right way. Is 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 one thing to work on, but at least you're trying to communicate it. To not communicate is just that's just absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, with these sort of things. Yeah. I mean, I think it is difficult, and and within the Scottish government group that I'm working in, you know, one of my big beefs, and, and not only me, I, I shouldn't take the credit for this. It, it, it's generally held concern is 
that actually the Scottish government hasn't been, although they're great things that are happening, they haven't been overly good at communicating. Mm -hmm. So people feel that they're hung out to dry. Um, And I think um, four factors, just how they communicate. It's a a really tough one. We've got, I'm glad to say that in our own development, we've got brilliant factors and our owners committee works really closely with them and we do joint updates and so on very regularly when we've got something to say and say, you know, someone's going to be around to do this work this will be happening on the you know, 9th of May or whatever it is, so you'll see people around. There are some things you can say, some you can't, but we try and tell people what's happening. Some factors have um, communicated with their owners' associations, and this is a big plea to any owners here on owners' associations committee or residence committees or whatever it is, to make sure that they are passing information on because sometimes the information appears to go to an owner's association and there it sits yeah um so trying to communicate uh by letter or whatever it is somehow directly with owners is a is a is is something we've talked about within the government circles um, somehow to try and make that comms better for everyone, that would perhaps help, um, but it, it will not address people who don't read, don't want to read, whatever. Yeah, no, no, I get that, I get that. And some people, yeah, it, it just, it, yeah. I mean, if you find it yourself, you read something and you read it one way and then you go and read it again and it, and it makes more sense for people. Like, you, know, it, you know, it just... It's it's just life, but 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 getting the information and, and and transferring it out and kind of cascading it round the entire the entire building is a must, isn't it? And I think if I can just finish that bit off, really, that yeah. we've talked about the buildings that are in the assessment, of which there are twenty five. Yeah, where they're at some stage where some of the funding might not actually been granted yet because the owners' committee or the factors, whoever it is, haven't kind of processed all the, the stuff that's needed to be done to get that going but um assuming that the people in those 25 developments know what's going on that's great that they know something's happening uh-huh. but you know there's x hundred yeah. other buildings in scotland and they haven't got a clue what's going on yeah. and they don't really know when it's when it's going to be their turn yeah and we need to we all need I'm including myself in that to communicate better with uh-huh. those people who aren't in that loop um, because they are very much um, in in ignorance and, and don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that might yeah, knowing knowing that it's going to happen at some point in the future, but when is must be quite worrying, especially, you know, as you say, these guys who are who are kind of sleeping on the floors with their bags at the door just in case, you know. Um, So in England, they are proposing the formation of a fire safety delivery group, um, which would be chaired by government. What are your thoughts on this? And does Scotland need the same? It's interesting. I looked up a fire safety delivery group. I I think that has come from uh, managers and factors within England. And I think it's been put into the pot. I 
even saw one, uh, uh, an MP in somewhere in the London area say that he'd met with the factors and you know he supported this but i haven't actually seen anything from government down there about it and mm -hmm. i'm trying to work out exactly what they think the fire safety delivery group will deliver from uh, what i can have read it seems to be that it's addressing the concerns of resource in getting assessments done uh, or or remedial work done mm -hmm. uh, because there is a lack of resource now that that is true there is a lack of resource and there's certainly a lack of resource in scotland yeah. um, and there's a although we aren't limited to instructing scottish businesses to do the work there's there's still a huge lack and actually with regard to the single building assessment there is a huge lack uh of people who you would think could do it yeah. so i'm aware of developments where they have gone to well-known consulting firms some very big consulting firms and ask them to quote to do the single building assessment and to be i've seen proposals which have come back and to be honest they are pathetic yeah absolutely pathetic from well-known big companies uh and actually taking no cognizance of the fact that we have scottish advice notes here we have scottish guidance we have scottish regulations and just kind of it's almost as though they've gone to the shelf and picked out a template for this sort of survey and we'll do that whereas this is a whole new ball game yeah so there is a remarkable lack of people who are able to do this work now the scottish government has recently um within the last two or three weeks made funds available to try and train um surveyors uh, building surveyors charter building surveyors and others to actually um be able to uh, fulfill the criteria and undertake the work that is required in the single building assessment in england uh, or actually across the uk there are already funds available to to uh, people to train to do the EWS1 certification, which was put together yeah. by RICS, uh, Royal Institute of Charter Surveyors and Banks. But um, in Scotland, it is more complex than that. Uh, but the Scottish Government has made some funds available to get some people trained. But there's a huge lack of resource in terms of people who can actually do it. Uh, people who are insured to do it which is still an issue um so i think the um fire safety delivery group as i understand it is there to try or would be there to try and facilitate the freeing up of um, people to actually undertake the work and get it done and i would say that largely that aspect is pretty well covered by what the scottish government is already doing through the cladding sto uh, stakeholders group okay. uh, because that includes these these are the sort of things we are talking about and resourcing so we're involved we're, we have fire engineers involved in it they're part of the group um, and trying to address those resource issues so that's, that's been really interesting and actually it'll be quite 
interested to come back maybe in a year's time, Chris, and see where we've moved on to and see where you are through that kind of plan and, and, and everything that's going on. Uh, but if you had the power to do what is needed to implement a solution tomorrow, what would that look like? Well, I think having been involved with these guys, and I don't always agree with them, but we're, we're trying to get a resolution to this. Our big drawback in Scotland is that um, we don't have all the resource to fix it, assuming it can be fixed, but, but not the same resource as they do in England. So we don't have the um, legal power to deal with the financing of it. There'd have to be acts of parliament and so on to put that in place. I would love to see funding available made available to Scotland. It would be lovely if the guys at Westminster would write a cheque and say, here you are, off you go, yeah, get it done. Um, or it would be lovely to say, here you are, Scotland, you can have the same powers to persuade those in the construction industry to voluntarily stump up the money. But, you know, that isn't there at the moment. So if we could give, we, we need either... Um, legislative powers or the money and then we need to make sure we've got properly qualified and competent people one to assess the buildings and secondly to deal with the uh, sorting it out and we haven't touched on what you do if you've got a problem because the focus has been on um the word remediation comes up over and over again, understandably, which kind of means taking off what's bad, putting back what's good, something that's good in its place. However, um, that's not as easy as it might seem um, and actually may not be entirely appropriate in some places. If we can, if the risk, we all live with risk. Every one of us lives with risk. You go outside the door, you can, you've got a risk, you know. Yeah. Um, but what is an acceptable risk? And it's what's an acceptable risk in terms of life and health for owners. What's an acceptable risk for uh, lenders? What's an acceptable list, uh, risk for insurers? And if you can take steps that reduces the risk that is currently existing to a lower level of risk, that may well be acceptable. So, for example, in some situations, maybe fire sprinkler systems might, might well make a huge difference or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily taking off everything and kind of trying to start again. And on 20, 30, 40-year-old buildings, that's in some case is almost impossible so the the two remedies to move properties once they're assessed if they're assessed as high risk then we need to identify the things that are causing that high risk what steps can be taken to move them from high risk to low risk yeah. which might be remediation i.e replacing stuff or it might be taking some other less costly steps to reduce the risk, which yeah. wouldn't involve actual uh, replacement. Okay. Okay. So if, yeah. we could, if we could get the money um, and we could um, 
get the, the uh, people who were responsible for it to pay, that would be absolutely brilliant. That would be my plan. Money, please. Power, please. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well, yeah, I, I can understand that, absolutely. And, um, and I'm, I'm an Englishman, so I'm not actually kind of advocating a Scottish nationalist, whatever, but I'm just saying we are hampered here because there's a collision of law between what is within the Scottish legisl legislative powers and uh, within the Westminster powers. Yeah, 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 understood, understood. Um, Chris, that's been absolutely fabulous. Thanks very much for, for chatting with us on, on all of those things. Um, you, do have to, you do have to do the three quirky the three questions. Three quirky on questions. Podcast. So okay. Jax will, will take you through them. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. That was so interesting. Thank you so much. Um, you're clearly very knowledgeable on the, the whole situation, which is great to hear. Um, so, yes, this is the more light-hearted side um, of the podcast. Uh, and the first quirky question is, what's your biggest failure across your entire career and what did you learn from it? Well, I, I, there have been a few. Um, and I was trying to think what the biggest was, and that was quite difficult. One that came to mind this afternoon, I was um, in my uh, business life before I retired. Uh, I was uh, an insolvency practitioner. So I was involved in running, um, we were appointed liquidators of an apple orchard in Kent. Oh. And um, normally when a company goes into liquidation, it, it stops trading, it stops manufacturing, but strangely, apples continue to grow on the trees. <laughs> um, so, uh, and they did, and we thought, this is ridiculous, they're growing, we're going to pick them and sell them and try and get some money out to the creditors. So we did that whilst the farm was up for a sale, and it was a lovely old farm in the middle of Kenneth's superb place. I love going there. And we got someone to buy it, and that was even better. But when you have... Um, uh, an apple orchard you have places we have to cold storage to put the apples in before they go off to market and uh by kind of february march all the apples have gone really but we used to let out the um storage to people they put in their fruit and veg and i think someone put butter and stuff in there and that was, that was great so we got a sale good price brilliant wonderful as a lovely farm manager who'd been so helpful over the kind of nine months that we'd been trading this so we got everything signed up sold it to a guy from switzerland um but we'd got stuff in the storage sheds and um so i said you've got to make sure you get all this out because when we sell the farm everything goes to the buyer yes 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 and he got a guy i've been working with and trusted Anyway, we did it, we sold it, we got the money, and then the guy who had been storing stuff in the story sheds, I said, I want my stuff back. He said, well, you should have it. Uh, well, no, it's still there. So the buyer said, no, it's mine. Everything on the farm's mine. So uh, lesson from that, one, I trusted someone I shouldn't have trusted, and I should have verify the situation myself by going and having a look and that actually cost us money at the end of the day so it was a bit of a bummer um yeah. but yeah i mean that's one of many and it doesn't sound that serious but it, at the time it was utterly annoying so we had to pay money out to get the stuff out yeah yeah 
Oh, cool. That's a good story. Thank you. <laughs> if you ruled the world for a day, what would you do, Chris? Now, I've discussed this one thoroughly with my wife, and she fully approves of my answer, which says I'd make, <laughs> I'd make a mess of it. Um, and actually, I, th I mean, it's a strange question, isn't it? Uh, I understand where it's coming from, but I don't actually think any one of us are ever designed to run the world for a day, or we haven't got that sort of ability or hope. But my... Um, my big thing is that we want to give people hope um, and one of the reasons why we're running high rise scotland action group is to give people hope and we've discussed that within uh government circles and i know they've discussed it the cabinet circles that we whatever we do even if there's bad news to come out we must leave people with hope a realistic hope and that's what i'd like to see uh, well, that's what I'd like to do and see in the world. I want to give people hope, whether it's in cladding, you know, people who are hopeless, whether it's in Ukraine, whether they're hopeless, whether they're addicted, whether they're abused. What I would love to do is just make it possible that they have hope in a way they can see a way out. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it feels like the only thing that's, that, that we can cling on to, doesn't it? Hope, oh, yeah, yeah, it's... It's a it's a good emotion to have for sure. Um, so we had a little a little joke about the. We the did. <laughs> go on, go for it. So now that you are seventy, <laughs> or or have passed that 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 point, um, <laughs> and you look back at your life, what are you glad you've done? Um, or actually, what are you? Are, is there still something you want to do that will make you feel proud? Or, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I have I have progressed beyond that <laughs> point. Uh, yeah, there are things that I I am delighted to see. I was responsible for training people, and uh, and I love even now. I saw something in the in one of the or LinkedIn, I think, about one of the gun guys who came to us. He was about twenty, and he's now managing partner at a firm of accountants somewhere other. And I I like. I, I I'm thrilled about that. What I want to do, it's interesting. I last week, uh, I've obviously had this name Christopher for seventy something years, without really thinking much about it. Something was said that made me look it up. What it was, it mean, and uh, it actually means apparently because it's a Greek thing, Christ bearer. What on earth is that? And there's that sense of carrying something of God wherever you go. Now, I'm really bad at this, and I'm so imperfect, and people will tell you so many stories about, you know, maybe I'm bad-tempered or may I have this and that. But what I would, what I really want to do for the rest of my life, and my wife too, we want to bring hope to people, and we want to bring something of Christ's love and hope to people and that they feel actually it's not just, you know, the, the factors we're caring for us or the health system or the government, but actually um, I want people to understand the hope that I've got in, in, in God. Yeah. Lovely. That's a really nice way to end the podcast. Thank you so much. I've, got a, lump, I've got a wee lump in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. And I'm not joking, by the way. I think we should, in a year's time, set a date, do this again and just see how things have moved on. Okay. Uh, 
Have a You're welcome. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you.